This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, rock stars who get by with a little help from their friends. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian and this week my friends Chris and Eric will be joining me for a conversation about supergroups. Supergroups, in this case defined as, you know, you've got some people who are already famous for being musicians and then they come together and they form some you know, Voltron, Megazord kind of new group uh, and release a bunch of music and try to cash in and get that sweet, sweet, sweet publicity money. So yeah, we're going to check that out. Uh, we just like doing music episodes, let's face it. You can hear all of our episodes if you subscribe to the podcast, right? Rate it, give it five stars because we're still trying to spread the show around and share it on your social feeds. If you like what you hear, you want to reach out to us, hit us up on Twitter. We are at MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E. On Instagram, we're we're there. We're, we're on Facebook. We're on we're the Magnificently Huge podcast. And you can uh, email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And check us out on our website. That's also MagHuge, MagHuge.com. There you can find all of our old episodes and links to all of those contact methods I just listed. All right. Let's a uh, form of a uh, form of water and an animal go. And welcome back to the Magnificent and Huge Podcast. As always, I am Eric. And I am Brian. This is Chris. Take it right. Hey, we did wow, we got right into those intros. Yeah, thanks, huh? I know. Thanks, I know. Eric. I had nothing I had nothing stupid to start off with this week. That's Usually shocking. I start you, you off didn't? with stupid. You, yeah. Seriously? Considering this that this like is the dumbest week shot in the year. weekend. Yeah, this is I the know. D- the dumbest week of twenty twenty, and that is saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Is it oh, you think it can't get dumber? It can <laughs> so get dumber. <laughs> yeah, I think we've proven that, obviously. But oh yeah. Uh but yeah, it's uh another week that was the year that was. Uh, yeah. So this is we're recording on the fourth of October, twenty twenty, following a week of stellar Schadenfreudistic <laughs> fun, uh, like the Jeez. worst the worst presidential debate ever, followed by. <laughs> now wait, I'm not going to let you talk. Now I'm just going to talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm being presidential. So yeah. You, yeah. y'all can look it up on Google if you really want to know the the highlights of the week. But damn. So your yeah. kids are going to be reading about it in history classes. <sighs> yeah, Dear as Lord. as someone pointed out on Twitter, it's like scholars in the future doing history will have to specialize in specific days of 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in order to cover everything. <laughs> I think that's as accurate as it gets. So yeah. Here's here's the thing that I do I do need to say which is that um they're acting like Biden's in the clear, and Biden is really not in the clear. The, no. the United, the president of the United States, is in the hospital with the coronavirus. Yeah, and but it's, it's okay because pretty... coronavirus that's that's just a flu. It's just like a flu. It's well, just it's, a flu. It's a democratic hoax. It's just a flu. Yeah, yeah. Fuck hard. <laughs> but fucking flu. It's, it's really <laughs> obvious that he had the virus during the debate. Well, for for like, days. No way he came down with yeah. yeah like during the like the next day during Coney Barrett's. Uh, like Rose Garden outing 
so now everyone in the administration is starting to sort of contact trace to the Rona. So who's got it? <laughs> yep. uh, we've got Chris Christie. We've got uh, what's her face? Skele- Kellyanne Conway. Yeah, Kellyanne Conway. Hicks, uh, the leader of the RNC. Uh, see three senators. Bill Barr supposedly will not self quarantine, even though he was in that same circle. So, oh, I hope he has it. Uh, I, yeah, it's just I crazy. don't wish... Look, I'm fine. I, I'm with um, Michael Che from Saturday Night Live. I wish the president a, a lengthy recovery and then to... I want him to be alive to suffer the ignominy of his defeat in the election. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I'm pretty clear on this. I'm with you. Uh, but Bill Barr can fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know. So, yeah, an interesting week. And again, uh, 2020, just the specter of everything just infects our uh, opening <laughs> every show because yeah. yeah. we need to vent it's i need to get this out hard and uh but yeah. yeah and you guys are the only two people i'm really talking to ever during the week apart from my wife uh so thank you <laughs> that's true though i don't want him to die i want him to come out of this like with lung scarring and and difficulty breathing and saying things like no i can still do it yeah. i'm still number one i uh, i want mm-hmm. i want him hurt yeah. Well, at the very least, he's going to come out with uh, no sense of smell, like many people I've uh, encountered who have beaten this thing. Like I have a colleague, she's like, "That was the tweet yeah. that I saw, which was that picture of the gold, you know, family portrait with the Baron with the tiger or whatever." And it was like, "How would we know if they lost their sense of taste?" Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. you know, I wash my hands of the week. Uh, who's got some fresh shit? This shit is fresh! Oh, shit, that is fresh. This stuff is really fresh! So, um, I'll go. Um, I watched the South Park Pandemic Special this week. I think my DVR recorded it, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh... Starts off with Cartman being being Eric basically and just loving the pandemic <laughs> yeah. because you know he doesn't have to go to school and he doesn't have to deal with anybody and and he has the six foot pole <laughs> that he yes. pokes people That's to true. keep him away. With. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. there's literally uh, no coincidence that Eric is the first name of Cartman. So <laughs> I'm just gonna go out there on a limb and say that right now. Screw you guys. Yeah. I'm going home. Um. It was it was fun. I haven't watched anything South Park in years, so you know. But I didn't really have to. There wasn't a lot of uh, was wasn't a lot of like you know in jokes from I guess however many years well, it's, it's been going. It's on. been on for like twenty some odd years now. Something ridiculous. Yeah. Well, the the running joke is that uh, Stan's dad is growing and selling weed, and his business is booming because it's Colorado. And so, yeah, so he's having a um he's decided to have a sale and he's going to have the pandemic special. And <laughs> you know, and so people are constantly saying things like do you really think it's appropriate to, to make a pandemic special? Nobody cares about your pandemic special, you know, <laughs> throughout the whole <laughs> South Park pandemic special. Oh, uh, I get it. Yeah. Anyway, they they have their um, moments. Like uh, I haven't watched that show oh, maybe 5 or 6 years. Uh but the last full season I watched was quite fun. And I liked that they have like the, the restaurant called City Walk, which is the only Asian restaurant in the entirety of South Park. And <laughs> they do the really exaggerated 
uh, not appropriate Chinese accent. So he, every time he answers mm-hmm. the phone, he keeps calling it shitty walk. <laughs> so, mm. Never mind. <laughs> okay. I think it's funny. Yeah. Well, of course. It yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Anyway. It's no um, basketball, so, yeah. but come on. If you like, if you like South Park and you've been going through coronavirus, you know, hey, we've been struggling to find ways to burn time. This is one of them. You know, do that. It's yeah. it's fine. Speak, it's good. It's speak, what you expect it would speak be. Speak for yourself, sir. Doom scrolling is everybody's favorite habit right now. So, um, it is an election year, and I'm desperate for for entertainment. Uh, and, and that's what got me to click on a movie I'd never seen before. Dun, dun, dun. National Treasure. Oh, oh yeah. Nicolas Cage. Not the sequel though, right? The first one. Not yet. Okay. No, I haven't done that. I, think... I, I don't think my wife will do the sequel <laughs> Yeah, yeah this. really. <laughs> yeah. I still, so... I still have not seen it, so uh, don't spoil it for me. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um... <laughs> Sean Bean's in it. Scene uh, Bean! Harvey Keitel's in it. Yeah. Uh, the dude, John Voight's in it. The dude from The Hangover's in it. Is he? Yeah. Like, uh, uh. what's his name? I don't remember his name. He's the young guy. Oh, the young guy just... So this is a movie from 2004, and yeah, boy, the music and the editing and that guy's <laughs> it's, whole look. It's full-on Simpson Bruckheimer, so man. 2004. Simpson Bruckheimer to a yeah. tilt. Yeah. Ugh. Um... So the big thing here is that somehow in 2004, nobody has a cell phone, or at least not unless the plot thinks it's convenient for them to have a cell phone. There's so many things that they have to physically go do, and it's like, no, just, like, call somebody. <laughs> is this the one where they go? To, they end up in the Arctic Circle, like, excavating uh, a ship? In the Arctic Circle, okay. yeah. 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 Like I said, I've never seen it, so I just know bits and pieces. Like, is it the back of the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's the Declaration of Independence. Okay. And, um, you know, all of these Freemason symbols, which apparently have been so completely, um, like, claimed by the Assassin's Creed (laughs) (laughs) series that I'm just seeing Assassin's Creed shit all over this movie. And and if this were where they were hiding stuff, I mean, they're putting giant Assassin's Creed symbols on things, and it's like, oh, yeah, nobody noticed that for 300 years. Sure, guys. Yeah, wink, wink. (laughs) Well, you know there's like an eyeball on top of a pyramid on the dollar bill, right? That shit's spooky. Oh, yeah, but the Freemasons' uh, information in that pyramid is on the new $100 bill, according to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking, uh, yeah, I, I get it. I believe it that nobody has tried to follow this list of clues in the last 200 years. Uh, but I find it unlikely that a path that has like eight or nine uh, 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 stop points, you know, where you have to like find right. it in order to get the next clue, that no one in 200 years has accidentally found step four or step seven on their own well, that's because they were and waiting like, for the like, whole thing up no one no yeah. one noticed the one brick with the big assassin's creed symbol yeah. on it yeah yeah you, you need nick cage uh, for that shit man like don't you know this never like like accidentally nudged that brick and opened it and found an old uh, spyglass and went oh yeah well when they when they find the chamber of secrets or whatever and like they're it's getting rattled because the subway's going nearby and Wait, they're underground what? and it's like what like how do they how did they not notice this when building the subway right like it's just <laughs> don't yeah the, it's best just to not ask any questions and let it roll over you like a fucking bus that's really I found every... it, I found that film to be altogether not bad you know <sighs> like it's it's just, it's like <sighs> a Disney it's it's really watered down Indiana yeah. Jones like 
there's it's just all people spewing exposition. Yeah. I can see why a parent might want their, you know, eight year old to watch this and get something out of it and like, hey, here's some stuff about American history, you know, that's somewhat valuable, but it's just it, kind of flat. It to me it represents to a T all of the trouble that happens when you give Nicolas Cage an Oscar. <laughs> and then let his career shrivel and die. I mean, it's literally the embodiment of all the bullshit stuff he did after he won his Oscar. There's literally very little in his oove that is not this. this. Is the Nick Cage Disney phase that included like that Sorcerer's Apprentice movie, oh, God. you know. And and so that was the thing my wife and I were saying is like they what they needed to do is they needed to target this as though it was going to become a theme park ride. Right, like we need we need a sarcastic bald eagle that like you know talks and shit, <laughs> like and, like Sam the Eagle. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then and then like at the at, this is when they make the ride, then that's how they can repurpose the robots from the Hall of Presidents, right? And they can <laughs> put them in that, like they did wow. with the Song of the South characters in in Splash Mountain, right? So. As an anyway. aside, I want to say I've had this conversation with my wife. We are both Disney Park files, whatever that would be and we have both said that the hall of presidents is now ruined because when you go there's going to be that 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 douchebag at the end of it going yeah i'm here too and and all of the trumpies <laughs> going Wee-oo. it's no yeah. he's gonna he's gonna interrupt all of the other robots yeah. right he's <laughs> right. gonna be like yeah you didn't do anything as great as what i did you know yeah. And look yeah, at this douchebag Lincoln over here wearing a mask. What a fucking I've pussy. I've done more for black people than Abraham Lincoln <laughs> did. That's the Trump robot. Uh, do you think National Treasure would have happened if Pirates of the Caribbean hadn't come out the year earlier and no. been such a weird success? I don't know. No, but man, they didn't put anywhere weird. near the effort into this. Okay. It wasn't It wasn't strange. I, I, I don't think Lone Ranger would have come out. Okay. Mm. Well, yeah. okay, fair. Thanks. Okay. And then one more uh, movie that is an interesting watch in 2020. Uh, my wife had never seen the Zack Snyder Watchmen. Mm. Uh, like the full, so the full three hour the, one? Yeah, we okay. pulled out the director's cut okay. of Watchmen from 2009. It's passable. I like it. It's, you know what? It's a really good a- adaptation of Watchmen because yeah. she was thinking about going to watch the HBO show and, I'm, and, and was interested. And I'm like, okay. Tonally, this is very different, and yes. there is like this one detail you need to know that's totally different from the books. Yeah. So if you have any clue <laughs> wink, what's going wink. on yeah. in, the, in in the show, it holds up. Yeah, Watchmen 2009 is good. I think it's overall it's a good cast. I, I've seen interviews with like Malin Ackerman uh, years after the fact, and she's like, "It was my first big major thing," and she's like, "I was so in over my head." <laughs> And she's like, I was so nervous every day that I just was not going to pull it when, off. When is Malin Ackerman not in over her head? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, just saying. But yeah. But no, I, I remember when uh, there was a lead up to Watchmen and then it just fell flat on its face because it was just too much, I think, for casual viewers. And so, you know, Snyder's well, coming coming off of uh, 300 and then they let him do, I, was, I think they let him do Sucker Punch first and that was a abysmal yeah and then they're like okay well let's give them watch it's made and marketed to the superhero fans go ahead i know watchman was way before because i i mean i i I was giving him 
the benefit. Oh, when okay. I heard it came out, I was like, oh, this is the 300 guy. Oh, this is the... Uh, Dawn of the uh, Dead. Dawn of the Dead guy. Because okay. One of the fucking best movies ever. And uh, <laughs> so I was really excited, and he really landed it. And when Sucker Punch came out, I was like, all right, I'm forgiving him for Bat- for Superman. Uh, this has a great trailer. And then, of course, I just despised him ever since. Yeah. As you yeah, do. As you no. do. That's fair. It it is something though to watch the comedian get out and be there's all these people protesting and the comedian's just like okay fuck this law and order and he just starts opening fire yeah, on the yeah. crowd. Well, plus like, it's like I uh, love working on U.S. soil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I ha- I haven't seen Walking Dead since like the third season, but when they cast Jeffrey Dean Morgan as was his name Negan and yeah. became like mm-hmm. the big bad, I'm like that seems like perfect casting to me based solely on <laughs> what I saw in The Watchmen. So. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and and you know, um, oh, I can't come up with his name all of a sudden, but the actor who plays Rorschach, uh, pretty well nails that character. Yeah. Um. Oh, uh, Jackie Earl Haley. I just call him yeah. Kelly Leak. Um, yeah, from Bad News yeah. Bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's really how we know him. That's Kelly Leak. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, Watchmen 2009 still holds up. Still a good adaptation of a uh, hard to adapt property. Um, if you're looking for the Cliff's Notes version of Watchmen, this is, is this is decent. Yeah, I remember when uh, Gilliam was circling that in like the late '80s, uh, but it fell through. Obviously, thankfully, because it strikes me if he'd have done it, it would have been like what uh. Jodorowsky's Dune would have wound up like, which is <laughs> like something that's totally <laughs> separate from the source material. Uh, and just as weird on its own. So, yeah. Also, he is the unluckiest filmmaker ever, isn't he? Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, since Baron von Munchausen, it's like all downhill. Well, it, well I, no. Yeah. Well, we did our, well, we did our, uh, we did our Brazil show a while back and we touched on the fact that the, the studio basically ripped it away from him and mm-hmm. that sort of started his whole descent into hell every production, I think. Uh, so yeah. He's he's been in it for like thirty some odd years, and most every film has had some issue. So yeah, ugh. <laughs> All right, so that's what I got. What do you guys got? Uh, I go ahead. Oh, you go, please. Okay, I mine's real simple. Um, uh, I watched Unconstitutional, which is um, oh God, why can't I think of his name all of a sudden? The guy who talks like this, you know, yeah, um. Fuck. He was on he was on remote control and he's a stand-up comic and he's from New York and Colin, Colin Quinn. Quinn. Colin Quinn's unconstitutional, which is stand-up, <laughs> okay. but it's basically just him talking about the constitution and okay. what it means. And it's actually really funny because he's saying, you know, it's all the kind of shit you would come up with in a bar. And uh and now we're all <laughs> falling apart. <laughs> And see. it's very yeah. timely. It's uh, yeah. Okay, uh, is, I is recommend it, it. Is it newish? It's Netflix, or is it older? Yeah, who can tell anymore okay. on Netflix? It's yeah, um, it's timeless. We'll just say that. Yeah. Okay. I think it's I think it's it's recent because you know he was talking about, um, well how we're falling apart right now, and we definitely are. Um, I guess we get to find out if we're really gonna have a a democracy in the next month or two. We're the country everybody just looked to because we were always happy, America, and now we're unhappy. Like I said, we're about to break up. It used to be Mr. Smith goes to Washington, now it looks like a scene from Reservoir Dogs. Well, they will, everybody's... 
And we're unhappy for a couple of reasons. One is we got to know each other, because none of the states knew each other. We didn't know each other. Nobody knew Arizona and New York didn't know each other. You didn't ever see each other, but the internet got invented. And so they're like, oh my God, that states like that? I didn't realize that. <laughs> well, we don't have one now. Come on. Mm, kinda. <laughs> kinda. We need to just rip that Band-Aid off and get on with it. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's what this is all about, is coming to terms with the fact that Rome fell in, like, 1950. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, the other thing, uh, watching the final season of Good Place have not gotten to the final episode. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I haven't so started great. it yet. Yeah. I feel like, I haven't watched it in so long, when the third season ended. Do I need to recap, or do they give you a pretty good one heading into uh, it? You get a quick recap. It's probably good enough. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a TV show. They they know how to pull you in, you know, and give you the information you need. Okay. I mean, right. I remember the broad strokes, but it's like all the minutia uh, of every yeah. character's journey. I'm sort of fuzzy on. So, yeah. Yeah, it might help to watch, you know, the last episode of the previous season because there were some there were some important things that I was like, oh, 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 yeah, that's right. Yeah. Where you got to jar your memory. Yeah, I got you. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, there was something else, but not important. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, uh, Jalil Jalali, I can never remember yeah. how to say her Jamil, name. Jamila Jamil. Yeah. Uh, who is Tahani on the show. Uh, great interview with her on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Really suggest you listen to that. She is funny. I mean, she is funny, funny. Uh, she's like a weird jack of all trades, just like has done all kinds of weird bullshit jobs, was, right? Yeah, she was a model. She, you know, when she stopped modeling, she moved to L.A. Uh, to become a screenwriter, uh, not you know, not to become an actress like all former models. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and she like heard through the grapevine that uh, Sheer, what's his name, the guy who makes Good Place, needed a British actress. And she was like, oh, well, I'm British. No experience. And and gets that part. Yeah. And fucking nails it. I mean, she's perfect. I mean, it's just, she's she's breezy. I mean, apparently she had been like a DJ or a still a DJ. And so did that for yeah. a while. I mean, it's like, I, I saw some other yeah. interview with her on some other show. And I'm like, what in the fuck? She's like this yeah. total just hyphenate will do anything and apparently has success at all of it. It's like, oh, I hate people like that. <laughs> but so she's Tahani, yeah, or yeah. Tahani's and sister, or something. Uh, yeah, Tahani, yeah, and yeah, she, no. uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I really listened to the interview on Conan O'Brien because I'm like, I had no idea what a boss bitch she is. She is awesome, yeah, uh, and but, and takes no guff. Um, and finally, I've gone back to old video games again with uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. Holy shit. Oh, you were on three last week. You're on yeah. the five now. Okay. I tried four, and I was like, ugh, this is not what fun. Is the, I mean, what is the theme of number five? Number five, you, you're split between three different players in uh, San Andreas 20 okay. years after gotcha. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Okay. And you commit a bunch of crimes. Um, Do some this, crimes. This game is it's still a big deal with GTA Online but I hate online games, so I've never done it. Okay. Um, instead, I have... There's this mission in, in, in the game where 
you get this Mexican cartel mad at you and you can't go into town without all these gangsters chasing after you. So I go into town and get the gangsters all to chase me. And I have these little places I can hide out and just, they can't get me. <laughs> like kill and boxes? After a while, yeah. And after nice. a while, the cops come in because of all the gunfire and I just start killing cops and there's no stopping me. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like chicken. No, not chicken. Fish in a barrel. Fish yeah, yeah. barrel. Fish in a barrel. And, uh, With dynamite. Yeah. And, and sniper rifles and automatic rifles and. Do you, yeah. Do you ever go get sushi and not pay in this game? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, now you're really <laughs> passing the moral judgment on Eric, aren't you? I mean, you're not really doing crimes unless you're getting sushi and not paying. That's the bottom well, line for me. So, right. You know, it's the repo code. Know it. <laughs> God, that was a great movie. Uh, I, just, I wish I'd make a game of that. Yeah, really. They should. We could make yeah, a game so, out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a great time waster to like hide out on, on a rooftop and just kill gang members until the cops show up to, and the cops yeah. start killing all the gang members and then the cops go away and more gang members show. And then you have the sea of cars from all the people who've showed up and gotten killed. Uh, and then one of them will <laughs> Just blow to clarify, up. clarify, Eric lives in Portland, that's true, but he's talking about doing all of this um, in again. Grand Theft Auto yeah. 5. Yes. Okay. Yes. Just and then clear. one of the cars blows up, <laughs> yeah. and then you just get this sea of exploding cars, and this, uh, yeah, it satisfies my need for destruction. This sounds an awful lot like you're just, you're every game trying to recreate the classic sequence from Blues Brothers. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, but it's not like with a car. Mass mayhem and destruction. Okay. Right. I mean, that's Grand Theft Auto for you. Yeah, and yeah pretty five, much. That, that game is still, like, in the top 20 moneymakers every Crazy. month. Like, they just keep making money on Grand Theft Auto 5. Yeah. Makes you wish you had online experience. Yeah, makes you wish you had yeah. stock in Rockstar, right? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's it right for on. me. Cool. Awkward silence. Chris, that's, fresh shit. Yeah, that's my bag, man. Awkward silences. Um, well, let's see. I'm going to, we'll play uh, fresh shit roulette. Do you want a TV show, movie, or podcast? Podcast. Podcast. Sure. Podcast. Uh, I stumbled across one that's fairly recent. I think it started in July of this year. Uh, it's called Smartless, and it's Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and. Uh, Oh shit! I always forget his name. The guy who played Jack the on Will guy and Grace. From horrible bot bosses. No, no. Or? The guy who played Jack oh, okay. on Will and Grace. Okay. I, I knew his name. Now I gotta look it up. Uh, but basically, oh. the scintillating podcast of Chris looking up the name of the guy he can't remember. <laughs> well, you know, I got <laughs> better than me going. Uh, the guy he talks like this. Nah, 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 uh, Sean Hayes. <laughs> Sean Hayes. Uh, so it's Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. Uh, and they basically just have known each other for a while, apparently. And it's like this show. They just shoot the shit and insult each other and just have a, a camaraderie. But every week, one of them brings on a celebrity guest that the other two don't know about. And so it's like a surprise. And then they all just shoot hmm. the shit. And so I've only listened to a couple so far, but one was with Melissa McCarthy. And that was quite fun. And then they did one with Dax Shepard, uh, which was also quite enjoyable. I'm not a big Dax Shepard fan, but that one made me go, okay, I'll reconsider this guy. 
uh, as something other than Kristen Bell's husband. Um, so it's fun. And they basically just uh, are very surly towards each other and uh, just <laughs> have a rapport that's very similar to ours, except we're not famous nor talented. So, yeah. you know, it's that kind of thing. So it's fun. So that's why they listen to those people, but not us. Yeah. Got it. Well, also, okay. you, you know, listen to us, we're, 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 we're huge in yeah, Japan. We are. We are big in Japan. I think Don't is what Eric is. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's my podcast recommend, uh, for the week. It's, it's breezy. Right. It's well, light. It's fun. Um, what were your other two options? Uh, TV or movie. Oh gosh. Oh, TV. Why okay. TV, TV you say? Uh, so I'm very happy to announce that the, 11th season of Archer has finally started. And uh, for those not in the know, I love the show Archer. It is one of the most amazing shows ever created for television or the universe. Uh, and this one's fun because they the last like three seasons, they've had Archer in a coma. And every season was themed around some weird coma dream that he was having <laughs> that included all of the cast members, which as stylistically, narratively, is a fun experiment. But by the third season, it was starting to wear a little thin. Uh, and I just was getting right, tired well, of it. was just their excuse to just make fun of different stuff well, without yeah. any worry about continuity, right? Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, so it was in season five million, you said? Yeah, so, like season know, 11. Yeah, fine. So they, they yeah. bring him back, Archer's out of his coma, he's being integrated back into the spy team, but basically he's the odd man out, because it turns out that he was the one who was responsible for all of the dysfunction in the office, and so he is sort of trying to learn the ropes of how everybody else is basically doing really well, and his mere presence is basically just toxic. And so that's sort of their take on this one. Uh, so it's really quite fun because while he's trying to figure out how to reintegrate back into the world, he's still dragging the world back down to his level. It is so funny to watch. Uh, so it's it's basically what's going to happen when Trump gets out of the hospital. Basically, right? like we get this yeah. weekend to like breathe. What was it? Uh, Jim Carrey's version of Joe Biden on SNL last night called it the Trumplessness. Mm-hmm. Like enjoy the Trumplessness. While yes, you can. <laughs> it's that. Yeah. It definitely is a, a quiet before the storm. Uh, yeah. but it's definitely the funniest season of Archer in several years, uh, and they really nail it. So it's, it's quite enjoyable. Uh, so if you like Archer, definitely check it out. I think it's on FX on Hulu. Uh, you can catch old episodes. So do that, man. So that's, uh, really all right. I've been binging. And then, uh, for movie, the movie, uh, I went back and rewatched, uh, Risky Business from 1983. The star turn really? from ah. Mr. Tom Cruise, uh, just for shits and well, giggles, because I hadn't watched it in like 30 years, and I thought, yeah, what the fuck? The Rebecca De Mornay vehicle, yes, featuring Tom yes. Cruise. Uh, but it's it's yes. a weird cat. It's like Tom Cruise and his starring role, like that made him a star. Uh, Rebecca De Mornay was starting out, but it's also got uh, Booger from Revenge of the Nerds, Curtis Armstrong. Uh, and, and Bronson Pinchot is also in it. And, Boo! I mean, okay. And then uh, Joey Pants shows up as Guido the Killer Pimp. Uh, and basically, if you don't know the story of Risky Business, uh, Tom Cruise is a very rich high school kid, uh, very neurotic, trying to get into Princeton. His parents go away for like a week, 
and leave him the house to himself. His buddies call in a call girl. It goes awry. The call girl gives him a real call girl number, and uh, he gets hooked up with Rebecca de Mornay, but can't pay her, so then they steal some shit from his house, and then uh, she breaks off with her pimp, moves in with him, and then he basically, in the span of like two or three days, starts a brothel in his house to pay for his dad's Porsche that he wrecked. As you do. (laughs) And then gets into Princeton. Because the, the guy interviewing him shows up during the whole brothel thing and thinks he's a real go-getter for, <laughs> for pimping out women for cash. It's very that, 80s. Uh, that's uh, very believable, actually, for, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's weird about Risky Business is it's uh, early Tom Cruise, but it's, I think it's the last time he played anybody that had any sort of self-doubting neuroses of any character that he's ever played. Because after that, he went on to do Top Gun and Cocktail and... All of that shit. Legend. Legend. Uh, but this one, he's, he plays a very good, awkward, sort of unsure teenager uh, that's just in way over his head. And it's just so oh, no. weird. His, his next film was All the Right Moves. I, I've yeah. been wanting to make an All the Right Moves joke this whole time, but I didn't have a good... <laughs> I still have never <laughs> seen that one. That's the one he plays football in Pennsylvania, right? In the steel yeah, town. I don't know. That's what it looks yeah. like on the poster. That's yeah, all I yeah. got. We didn't quit. You quit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also <laughs> around the same time he did, uh, was it going all the way? Where he and his buddies yeah. go down to Tijuana to pick up hookers. Yeah. It was a weird. And end up with Shelley Long. Yeah. Yeah. That was a weird time in his oh. career. Also with Kelly Leak. There you go. There you go. Uh, 1980s so- comedies. They're about <laughs> hookers. Well, yeah. the most interesting thing I can say about Risky Business, it was uh, the guy that made it, wrote and directed it, a guy named Paul Brickman. And I, I don't really think he's done anything since. It's like, this is the movie that just gave us the pop culture time bomb of Tom Cruise dancing in his tidy whities to old-time rock and roll by Bob oh, Seger. Yeah. Uh, that just You can't look at the 80s and not quote that out as one of the iconic moments and this guy Brickman I don't think really did anything big ever after that it's so strange weren't they playing that on MTV as a video for that song at one point yeah they brought it back and then uh, used the clips from that it's just so weird uh, so yeah but it's it's light it's breezy it's fun uh, it's got one of my favorite lines ever Joel get off the babysitter when he's having his little like panic nightmare about the SATs. I mean, it's just, you know, it's got some fun stuff. But mostly it was, I remember when it came on HBO all the time. Uh, and as you were lucky as a kid, like, you know, 13-ish, you could catch it late at night so you could see some, uh, some skin. And that was always yeah. one of the, that was one of the first like late night, ooh, I'm going to get some skin. But then you actually end up, end up watching the movie because it's actually entertaining and fun. So it's, yeah, take that, HBO. <laughs> So yeah, uh, really fallow week. Uh, that's all I got. Fuck it. All right. So I uh, wanted to take a another swing at a music episode, and uh, the idea that seemed like it might have some bone meat on its bones was to talk about supergroups. So supergroups. supergroups um it's gonna be i think something of a challenge to define them if you go to the wikipedia list of supergroups you find a lot of things that are really just side projects or you know spinoffs exactly like like wikipedia list journey 
as a super group and I call bullshit. That's just, you know, the guitarist from Santana yeah. got, you know, made a new band. A couple or, guys from Santana's band. Or you know. like Toto's listed, but it's like, fuck you. That's like a bunch of session musicians that got together. That's not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have to call bullshit. And this is when, you know, big popular acts join forces to form some Voltron, you know, <laughs> yeah, some Megazord of, <laughs> yeah. of rock. Yeah, uh, it's it's the Power Rangers of the Rock, sir. It's it's Voltron, the yeah. Power Rangers of Rock. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it. yeah. So I, you know, when we when we kicked this off in our call last week, you know, it was okay. Come back with like three super groups to talk about each. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe deviate from that because I have a few uh, sort of special cases I want to call out. But um, let's start with with uh, Eric. Can you call out one of the the super groups that you? wanted to talk about uh yeah i i mean for me the only super group i think i enjoy with any regularity is led zeppelin uh okay so do they qualify as yeah. a super group That's Again, that was my question says yes yeah yeah well i mean you know let's see jimmy page was in the yardbirds and mm-hmm. uh robert plant and bonham were in some other band together and i know john paul jones was just a very well-known session drummer um they they were but the thing is they were they were formed by the label who just had some guys who weren't on some projects right now stuck really? together and said why don't you see if you can do some stuff yeah i had no they idea had, that they were they were a, a prefab boy they, band yeah they were a creation and they all had a a a, a fondness for you know, actual blues you know not uh yeah, they were the New Yardbirds, though, at yeah. first, right? <laughs> yeah. like, and they came up with some real dark shit. And their name comes from uh, uh, Pete, wait, no, Moon? What, what's Keith the Moon? Who drummer? Keith Moon. Keith Moon, thank you. Mooney, Moon the uh, Loon. When he heard about, you know, Led Zeppelin said that they would go over like a lead balloon. And they said, yeah, we can make that work. <laughs> That's the name. Okay. There you go. So, but, yeah. Yeah, legendary band, absolutely legendary. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't know if they count. Whether yeah, group. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, f- I feel I'm... like it was more like the ship of Theseus on the Yardbirds got replaced to the point where it was no longer the Yardbirds. Um, but that's just me. Uh, well, that's just yeah. it. Well, Going... that's, well yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like they they were, you know, known, but they became famous because of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, I think that's so where it's like I, a technicality. Yeah, I think that's where I get iffy on the whole concept of supergroup because to me it's like supergroup should be a group that got famous members from other projects together to that do were something previously else. famous. Yeah, mm. that to me okay. is supergroup. Previously famous thing that I'm missing in Led Zeppelin, other than Page. Yeah, I think that's where I get stuck. And I had this argument with my wife when I brought up the show topic, and I I. And I brought up stuff like Zeppelin. She's like, no, that's horseshit. It's like, unless they're already famous from something else, it's not a super group. And she was very specific like, about it, you know? Asia was always considered a super group. And yeah, I mean, right. I don't know any of these fuckers. I mean... <laughs> well, apart from like well, half, of, half of Asia's from so, Yes, so... Yeah, Asia... Yeah, exactly. Asia was what? Yes and King Crimson, I think? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, you know, and... and uh, there's a whole separate wiki page for prog rock supergroups, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Which, but, yeah. Uh, anyway. 
Well, that will that will roll into because this isn't one of my picks, but uh, I had rediscovered Emerson, Lake, and Palmer during this week's research. Uh, yeah, and that struck me as uh, number one. If you ever listen to their Tarkus album from like 1970, that is literally every cliche prog rock moment all in one record. Like their first track is 20 minutes long, and I tried to listen <laughs> to it, and it took me four days. I mean, it's just <laughs> good crikey. Uh, but it brings up DLP an... means extended long play. Yes, not exactly. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Okay. Uh, but that brings yeah. me to a, a point about uh, supergroups. It's like I noticed there's a, a few in here, if not. Uh, more where it's you take individuals from other bands and then they all get together but they can't think of any good names so they just go oh it was Emerson, Lake and Palmer or Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young I mean it's like right. we'll just call ourselves after ourselves because you know branding right so that, that was sort of where I went when I, when I found that but yeah the all prog right. rock what's stuff one of your just, picks though Give uh, us a pick. I'm, uh, I'm gonna say electronic is an interesting oh, one. Okay. Uh, that was that on my was, list. Yeah, uh, that that's on my list. Let's do this. So that's Johnny Marr from the Smiths and uh, Sumner Bernard Sumner Bernard from, uh, from New Order. New Order. Yeah. Uh, and there's a Pet Shop Boy in there. Yeah, I think Neil, Neil Tennant came in and some guest vocals, a couple songs, but it's mostly Marr and Sumner. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and a couple years later in the '90s, they were working with uh, one of the guys from Kraftwerk. So it's yeah. So they've got a, a pedigree. Uh, but the core unit is definitely super groupish to me because Johnny Marr and Bernard Sumner are both huge in that 80s alternative stuff. Uh, and they're fucking good. I yeah. mean, the first album especially. I mean, that debut electronic album is just hit after hit after hit. It is really solid. Their, their subsequent albums have never quite lived up to that level. Right. You know, there's, there's like a handful of good tracks in each one, but that first album is just... I can play that whole thing end to end right now and yeah. love every minute of it yeah well and the and the two big ones uh there's disappointed which showed up on the cool world soundtrack so that's the one i played over mm-hmm. and over and over Getting away with it, I guess, was their first big hit. Yeah, it uh, always gets stuck in my head. And, yeah, and it's it's just so hookish. I mean, it's just you can't help listen, and you're like tapping your toe and going like, getting away with it. You can't not. Disappointed is funny because this is also a period where Johnny Marr was guest. Uh, he was playing guitar on the Pet Shop Boys albums, um, Very and um, Behavior. Yeah. And uh, this really just sounds like a song from one of those two albums. Yeah. Um, it helps, I think, with getting away with it to pass the mic from Sumner to Tenet and back. Well, yeah. And where Electronic, I think, ha- has more success with it is because a lot of these supergroup bands, uh, they every song sounds like this member's old unit or that member's old unit. I mean... They mm-hmm. seldom coalesce, whereas electronic seems to have a weird balance. So you can tell that it's Marr and Sumner, but it's not really New Order or The Smiths kind of thing. So they they definitely have their own sound to me, uh, which is yeah. really their strength. It really is New Order, Smiths, and Pet Shop Boys in a blender to a right, lot, right, large right. degree. Like. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. 
but yeah, no, it's that's, not. That, that's good stuff. Um, but yeah, that was one of the first ones I gravitated towards just because it's, uh, I realized going through all of these super groups when I looked them up, I'm like, like 98% of these, I just don't listen to. And, and then I saw electronic. Oh, I totally forgot. I totally forgot that. This is that. a tough genre because it's yeah. been a while since it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've used that even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> since music has like, I don't know. Bothered? Been something that had the uh, bands, yeah. you know? I mean, everything now is, uh, you know, Kukuri featuring DJ Funk Funk or yeah. something. Well, that's just it. No it's, bands. Yeah, it's a, it's a producer oriented medium right now as far as the way right. they crank them out. So that's definitely different than actual bands doing their thing. So, yeah, I agree. It's, it's uh, a sad time right. for the supergroups right now. Yeah, because like I guess mm-hmm. yeah, for a super group, really, you have to have musicians who are all at the top of their own particular game. Yeah, you know, or at yeah. least good enough to be in Damn Yankees, <laughs> which would be also on my list. Yeah. Not because I like them, but because I just shake my head in disbelief. Yeah. Uh, yuck. Yeah. Anything, so anything having to do Yankees. with uh, um, um, Wango Tango, I, I you know. Yeah. yeah. I just go, eh. The nude just I, such it, a It makes douche. me sad because I love watching Sticks live, and it makes me sad to think that Tommy Shaw has fond memories of doing Damn Yankees <laughs> yeah. with Ted Nugent. Well, not God only that, it. it's, uh, I when I was a kid, like 13, 14, I had that brief spell where I was really into Night Ranger. And to see that Jack Dangers is in that as well, that's sort of crushing to me on some level. Because it's like, because <laughs> the Nuge is just, he, he'll taint you like nothing. I mean, he's yeah. just awful. So, you know. <laughs> the Nuge will taint you. Yeah, the Nuge will taint you. Yeah. That might be the title of this episode. The Nuge will taint you. Super groups. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But honestly, yeah, and then Damn Yankees came up, but I, I don't remember any of their songs. I remember the video where they're in, like, the swamp cabin, but I don't know what song it's for. And the cabin, like, yeah. gets shot up. I mean, literally, that's half of these supergroups. I'm like, oh, I recognize the name, but I couldn't tell you any of their songs. Any of And they, right. as, as uh, uh, Patton Oswalt said, and they stopped the bullets with the power of their rock. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. So... All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, for one of mine here. This is this is kind of how the show got started. I was you know flipping through one of my Apple Place recommended Apple Music lists, and um, Velvet Revolver comes up, and I says to my wife, I says, I think I actually like. I might be the only person in the universe that likes Velvet Re- Revolver better than both the Stone Temple Pilots and Guns N' Roses. Fight me. Um, this is like everything I like about Guns N' Roses, which is to say everything but Axel. Um, <laughs> led by um, Scott, Scott Weiland, who is a great frontman, but for whatever reason, this is because I think it's Guns N' Roses backing him up better than Stone Temple Pilots. I freaking love If you want just straight up 90s style 
rock. This is your jam, man. Velvet Revolver is is legit. Except that uh, they were formed in the aughts. So yeah, they're they're doing '90s rock. I didn't. In, in yeah, the fine. It okay. <laughs> I I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I just again, this is a van. I mean, I know the name, and I'm sh- I recognize the the hit. Was it Slither? I can't remember. Slither now. was yeah. the hit. That whole first album is really good. I was listening to Slither when the guitar solo came on. This was the song that was playing on my playlist. And I said to my wife, I said, you know why? It's because Slash clearly cares about this one. Like, he's actually showed up. <laughs> To play and bringing his aid game. And this ain't no Chinese. Is all over the place. Yeah, this ain't no Chinese democracy. Please. This isn't even use your illusion. Like this is, you know, he's <laughs> yeah. he's really yeah. going for it. I think I didn't get into him because, like you say, it happened in the odds. It sure. is 90s rock. Uh, that's like having like a really great disco album in 1983. You know, <laughs> it's like the aftertaste of of that that previous musical block. Yeah. is still kind of being belched up and I'm not into it. Yeah. If, if, if they'd done it another 10 years after that, maybe I'd have listened, mm-hmm. but Scott Weiland would have been very dead. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, yeah, to me, it's, uh, they just, they never really registered. I mean, I, I mean, they got radio play, they got big, uh, but I just look at them like, oh, okay, it's Gundam Roses and STP. Okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, that literally is like what I think of every time I hear the name. So you yeah, can fight- pretty much. For their honor, all you want, Brian. It's not really going to change my oh, existence. It's, it's a cash grab corporate <laughs> yeah. band from yeah. hell, but it's a good one. Yeah, but I listen um, to it, and and they're ones where I hear the songs, and I'm like, okay, that one sounds like GNR. That one's kind of mm-hmm. STP, and so they don't mm-hmm. really seem to coalesce, and that's sort of my big beef with a supergroup. It's like, well, yeah, it's fine to have your your influences from your former band, but try to get something new going at least, (laughs) you know? So I'm going to shift gears and do my first aside. Um, So the first aside is going to be, you know, I was looking at that Wikipedia page and some names come up frequently. So the question is who was in more supergroups, Eric Clapton or Sammy Hagar? What do you think? I'm going to say Eric Clapton. Yeah. I'm going to say Clapton as well. Cause Jesus. See, the, the real answer is and- Dave Grohl, <laughs> but that was cheating. No, yeah, Dave Grohl was in seven, Clapton was in six, and Hagar was in four. So Clapton, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Cream, Bad Faith, Derek and the Dominoes, Eric Clapton's Powerhouse, the Dirty Mac, and the Plastic Owner Band, all Eric Clapton, and that's probably not even a comprehensive list. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Where does uh, Scott Ian... Uh, fall on that you know list. I only googled those I only searched those three so I can't answer that but okay that's a fair shows, point I yeah. also thought Ozzy or his guitarist would have a high chance of showing up all over the place yeah. well that reminds yeah. me this is another side in that same Wikipedia list I show I saw that the uh, the lineup for the Blizzard of Oz album uh, is in there because it's like Rocky Roads and uh, yeah. a bunch of other people and so I asked my buddy at work who's a, a like a full-on metalhead when he was a kid. Uh, and I said, I need a judge's ruling on this. I'm like, does that actually count as a supergroup? And he <laughs> said, nope. Nuh-uh. <laughs> so take that, Wikipedia. You should probably remove that. Fair so. enough. 
Eric, give us another choice. Let's keep it moving. Uh, oh, I just had one. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have one that the list says is a super group, but I take exception to. Okay. Audio Slave is just Rage Against the Machine yes. with a Zach replacement. Exactly. It is not. Okay. They shouldn't even be allowed to have a different name. They should just be, you know. Yes, I agree. Rage Against Another Machine. That was going to be my my one of my other asides, which was compare and contrast Audio Slave with Prophets of Rage, which is also <laughs> Rage Against the Machine with a different rapper. And that's also that's also akin to. Uh, what was the power station is just Duran Duran with Robert Palmer. Robert it's the Palmer. same thing. Well, it's the yeah. two brothers. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's so the other thing. Like rage versus audio slave. Like, which would you rather listen to right now? I don't think I've ever heard prophets of rage. So I'm going to have to say audio slave by default. Okay. Prophets uh, of I rage. Would, Go ahead. I would say audio slave. Okay. Interesting. See, I found Chris Cornell. Maybe I, I've, like warmed up to him over the years early on he like irritated me yeah. but i've come to really respect him because yeah that guy had some pipes i i will I say audio him. slave yeah. has more of an identity than prophets of rage prophets of rage is just rage against the machine it's just that it's chuck d rapping mm-hmm. um but okay. it's rage against the machine well and that would also be the second super group that cornell was involved in as well because temple of the dog there we go is one of the early <laughs> like seattle supergroups, uh which was members of pearl jam and nirvana etc etc yeah. but all i remember oh. is that going hungry song and i just fucking so hate it remember. i fucking hate it so much but it's, but it's on oh. the table the And I don't even know that that can count as a super group. But, uh, it was Chris Cornell's involvement is nothing more than going, I'm not hungry. That's like not <laughs> yeah. work. Well, I mean, it was just a bunch of Seattle bands just got together and knocked around some stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but Audio Slave, uh, technically, yeah, it's a super group. But yeah, like you say, it's just Rage Against the Machine with X. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that counts. I guess maybe I, I don't know. Yeah, I think again, I think Audio Slave because he's singing instead of rapping is more of a um a departure from from Rage. Yeah. But it's all just methadone. 
for rage addicts, right? It's all just <laughs> not quite rage against the machine. Yeah. yeah, it's basically grunge for your dad. It's really what it boils down to. Uh, I mean, when I, when I heard about it, I was like, oh, Chris Cornell's taking over for Rage Against the Machine. I guess they're back. I was like, <laughs> nope. Oh, okay. And then they have a new name. I'm like, uh, uh, uh? Yeah. And that also- It sounds like money is involved, yeah. not art. And again, if you listen to the the album, the first one, it's literally, okay, that's Soundgarden, that's Rage, never the twain shall meet. I mean, it's just, that seems to be the trap that these musicians fall into when they do these things. Uh, and you can tell it's like this sort of maybe a head-to-head battle of wills kind of thing where they can't really decide on a cohesive sound, so they just finally say, fuck it. We just need an album, so you do your thing, we'll do ours, and then we'll just slap them all together on the album. <laughs> you think, you know what you I mean? think it was like, look, look, um, Tom Morello, we you've got a contract and we need you to fill it out. And Chris Cornell was like, "You've also got a contract, and that's why they're called Audio Slave." Is that they were just like, I don't know, maybe I'm making that up. <laughs> maybe I think you're eating, reading too much into it. But it's the same trap. You look at like uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, uh, and how. <laughs> I mean, it's like you you can kind of catch their influences. Ouch. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> but it's Crosby, Stills, Nash have the very distinctive thing. And, and when Neil Young shows up, it's like, obviously Neil Young <laughs> and their songs. It's like, there's no sort of uh, cohesion when they do that full Right, and Crosby, Stills, right. Nash have this just pure harmony thing. And then Neil yeah, Young very- just shows up and kind of winds over. Yeah, right. <laughs> Basically, it's like Crosby, Stills, and Nash is like very folky harmonics, you know, Southern Cross kind of stuff. And then you can tell when Young's in there because it's like, it's like, this is a totally different band. Holy shit. So, yeah, it's it's quite fun to listen to them. Uh, that was the surprising thing for me this week as well, uh, going back and listening to some stuff. I'm like, how do I know all these Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young songs? I'm like, I don't remember listening to them ever. But they must have been mm-hmm. ubiquitous in the radio and like were, on all the yeah, 60s soundtracks. 70s AM radio, yeah. like, was just, you know, yeah, but tons of Crosby, was, Stills, and Nash. I was shocked. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, I'm going to go for one of the, like, the ultimate super of super groups. We've got to talk about the Traveling Wilburys. The Wandering Dingleberries. Oh, the Wandering Dingleberries. George yeah. Harrison, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, Jeff Lynne. Oh, and by the way, Bob Dylan apparently was in that band. Yep. Yeah. He's singing real good. Real good Bob Dylan. Yeah. Uh, so oh, I have Lord. to assume this is Jeff Lynn's fault. Um, you know, producer ELO guy, right? Yeah. Like he's just amazing. But yeah, wow, that's a lineup, right? And and they, they only had, had that one big song. Hits. It was one good song, but I can't think of anything else. Uh, well, they the had one? You Got It. You got it, right. which was the big was, one uh, when Roy Orbison was having his resurgence because of Pretty Woman. Uh, yeah. He was a big, mm-hmm. a big to do again. But end of the line is the one that I remember more. End of the line. That was like their second album, oh. I think. I always think of. Well, it's all right. The George Harrison sounding. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the ones with. 
Yeah, the ones with uh, Petty that sound like Tom Petty songs. I mean, it's just another, like, yeah. oh, here we got five superstars. Let's just all let them do one song each. Uh, okay. And then, so yeah. we're saying that this isn't really a super group in the way that they don't congeal, right? Like, they're just kind of... Is that a rule? I mean, I no, I mean, that's just a congeal. No. Uh, I think it's a criticism we It's make. a criticism like, of have super an identity. Yeah. Uh, right? Well, like... But it's this either, one, it's, it's either this is a Petty song or this is a Dylan song or this is an Orbison song. Well, so but again, it's if you have you superstars of this caliber. Oh, that sounds like the, the traveling Wilburys, right? Yeah. But mm. I mean, if you have superstars of this caliber and they're all hanging out, I mean, this is basically just an album for them to have fun, maybe take a tour, make a house payment or five, and then <laughs> call it a day. I think that's literally what this is. But this totally fits the definition of supergroup because every single one of them is a luminary in rock. And they all decided, yeah. hey, we're friends. Let's just hang out. It's the same thing in country when you get the Highwaymen, which is, uh, was that Johnny Cash, uh, Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, and Waylon Jennings. And it's the yeah. same thing. If you mm. listen to them, it's like every song is them just trading off verses and singing in their own distinct style. It's like, I can't listen to it. It's like ear cancer. I mean, they're all amazing artists on their own, but you put them together and it's like, why did you even fucking bother? I mean, that's literally what I think of when I think of the, <laughs> the wandering dingleberries. It's just like, uh, I'm, eh, eh, you know, so. I think of it, traveling uh, uh, Wilburys and Highwaymen both feel like, okay, we've all got distinct voices. Let's come up with a puzzle that allows all of us to be in it somehow. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, because yeah. Tom Petty and Bob Dylan sing the harmonies yeah. because they both have fucking weird voices and <laughs> yeah no that's yeah i get it but it just the, the call and response thing it's just that's the best you could do it's like you were all musicians at the top of your your craft and that's what you decided not to do exactly the top so i mean with the highwaymen not exactly <laughs> yes yeah, so, okay that was <laughs> you know what i mean that was johnny cash going i don't know what to fucking do anymore i'm old and it sucks yeah well him and fucking waylon jennings and then, like that, when Chris Christopherson's like, "How is this guy ever a singer?" I mean, that's like literally all I can think when I hear it. It's like, no, it's like, <laughs> like cats scratching on a chalkboard. It's just awful. This is the last Eric, what's another pick? You got a third one? Well, I guess that Highwayman is out. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, I got, I got nothing else. Yeah, Chris, you got another pick? Because they're not very good. Yeah, that's the that's thing. True. As I look through them, I'm like, I can't think of, yeah, other than Led Zeppelin, I can't think of anything yeah. that would be, hmm. Well, I mean, there's, I'll do an aside before I, I throw my pick in, because I did sort of workshop some things uh, mm -hmm. during the week with some friends. And one of them, who's not a hip-hop guy at all, uh, brought up an interesting conundrum. Uh, he's like, is Wu-Tang Clan, is that a supergroup? I said, no, that is not a supergroup because Wu-Tang came first and then they all spiraled off into very yeah, successful no, solo careers. So it seems like Wu-Tang, yeah. But it feels like Wu-Tang is a supergroup. projects group. and spin-offs. Like, I'll, I'll rattle off, you know, Angels and Airwaves and the Postal Service and A Perfect Circle. These are all on the wiki page for supergroups. No, nah, yeah. these are spinoffs and side projects. Yeah, yeah, not, not doing it. Or yeah. like the or the breeders even. I don't consider that a supergroup because it's Kim Deal and Tanya Donnelly, but it's not really. I don't think 
supergroup because of that. Right, uh, right. So, uh, the other weird one is uh, Lords of the New Church that I I totally did not realize was considered a supergroup. Yeah, who are they comprised? Who? Where did they come from? Uh, that's basically uh, what's his name? Uh, Stiv Vader's who was in the Dead Boys, which is a punk band. You've got Brian James from The Damned. You've got a guy from Sham 69, which is one of those late 70s uh, sort of punk mod kind of things uh, and so forth. And so it's you get all these sort of late 70s punkers getting together, and then they're doing this weird goth thing in the 80s. Uh, and their big hit was, was it Dance With Me? Won't you dance with me? romantic kind of stuff it's just weird when i see punk rockers delve into that it's it's weirder to me than like the clash going into their dub stuff yeah i think i'm okay with that actually yeah <laughs> so what what it sounds like is that they actually did find a new sound yeah exactly together these yeah. people so that's like that's fine yeah i think lords of the new church and i do not think of any of them individually uh from their former bands i just think oh it's lords of the new church yeah okay so yeah, i had no idea it's a success. Um, so yeah, that was the the other strange one. But my big one, and this one's mostly for Eric, uh, the one that I, I definitely wanted to bring to the table as my final pick, is the band Lard. Which yeah. is... Okay. Which is uh, Jelly Biafra from Dead Kennedys and Alan Jorgensen from Ministry. And it's basically this weird... Is it punk-inflected industrial or is it industrial-inflected punk? Can't ever tell. Yeah, uh, yeah Lard is awesome. <laughs> yeah, but it just makes me laugh because yeah. But their first album, their full album, was called The Last Temptation of Greed, and that always makes me think of Eric. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And his voice, uh, he can kind of do a Jello voice when he wants to. I, yeah. When I hear the song Lard, I hear Eric singing Lard. Lard. <laughs> yeah. You know. You can see it in the clouds up in the sky. Oh, okay. Another super group worth mentioning, because uh, I never thought of them as a super group, but they're they're a band made up of the leftovers of really great yacht rock era studio musicians. And yeah. Toto. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say Lucather, yeah. the Picaro brothers. Yeah. It's like they, they were just sessioning on other people's shit and said, let's make a band. So they're a super group. If you know the musicians of the time, but that's funny. Yeah. That's actually the same story for Cheryl Crow's band. The Tuesday night music club was oh, a yeah. bunch of session players getting together. Like um, a diddle. Yeah, does I don't know, does that count or is that just like a bunch of people who finally got a break and made a real band? I I, I don't yeah. know if Toto counts as a super group because yeah, of that, but cause by yeah. my very rigid definition of they need to be known for a previous enterprise, uh, it doesn't count. 
but I'll give it okay. to you because it's got moxie. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you so, like the Yacht Rock, so, you know. So, Chris, when you mentioned lard, um, that leads me to one of my other asides, which is these ones that are basically label-based. So, I mean, Al Jorgensen is kind of a cottage industry to himself. Yes. Uh, and there are any number of Al Jorgensen bands, but, but I'll call out uh, Pig Face. Okay. From uh, you know, really his uh, one of his backing musicians uh, pulled that together. I want to say Friedkin, but I'm not sure if I have his name. And then similarly, the 4AD label had this mortal coil, which was really just the guy who owned the label, like getting people who either wanted to be on his label or who were on his label together to see what kind of uh, jams he could get created in the studio. Um, So I don't know, are those kinds of projects super groups or are they just sort of like, you know, collectives? What is that? I feel like collective is a good term for it. Because it just, yeah, when you've got that many types of musicians and they're all just jamming, that's what it feels like. It doesn't seem like any sort of cohesive, hey, we're actually a band now kind of thing. But maybe that's just too literal. Yeah, I I don't know. Just thought it was an interesting version of that. Um, Other super group that that I would have had to call out, I guess, and we've called them out before, but um, FFS. Which is Franz Ferdinand yes. and Sparks. Which is um, basically just... Oh, yeah. Which is... How is that any different from something like Audio Slave? Explain. Um, it is much more those two bands in a blender. It, what what mm-hmm. really becomes obvious is how influenced by Sparks Franz Ferdinand was. Um, but it's very much both of their aesthetics uh, butting up against each other. And, you know, the... The signature song, of course, being Collaborations Don't Work, which, as <laughs> yes, far as I can yeah. tell, was them sending uh, clips across the mail to, you know, emailing them to each other and being like, okay, now your turn, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's also they managed to find a, a weird blender sound, uh, as it were. So it's like it's another. It, that's not Franz Ferdinand, and that's not Sparks. It's sort of that's sort of that's Sparks and Franz Ferdinand. So they managed to pull it off nicely, uh, which to me is the only real 
way to judge success for one of these supergroups uh, is if they come up with something distinct. That's just my vibe. Yeah. And then to kind of wrap it up, put a button on it, I guess, um, I was going to have to call out the one-offs. Right, so the big one-off, the first big one-off was the Million Dollar Quartet, which was Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, and Johnny Cash. Uh, which was back just in them the hanging out in a studio one night, right? Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. Getting, getting drunk, smoking reefer, popping pills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know, USA for Africa and Band-Aid, right? Like the, these, these big charity things that were formed you know, because of the Ethiopian, you know, drought and food crisis back in the 80s. Do those count as supergroups? It's like, what is that? Uh, I, I don't think they count as supergroups since they're just basically just sort of cobbled together on a whim kind of a thing. And they don't really do anything beyond just jam. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a very much deal. a song. It's just a song written for a choir of famous people who each get to sing about four syllables, yeah, you know, yeah. in the verses. I mean, if it's, I mean, yeah. do the three tenors count as a supergroup because they're just singing other people's shit? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, does the Plastic Ono band count? I mean, that's how many opera singers write their own opera, though. I think we can give the three tenors a pass on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, if you want to get semantic about it, I think it, sure. I think the three tenors does count as an opera supergroup. I'm good with this. Yeah, I never heard of the guy playing cello. <laughs> or uh, that dude on timpani they're all yeah. unknowns to me yeah <laughs> uh, well so, yeah. i want to give an honorable mention to the brides of funkenstein because <laughs> they were backup singers for sly stone and uh they 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 connected with p-funk collective and they made just a fucking badass couple of albums and george clinton named them i mean that's that's all sorts of pedigree yeah well, awesome. Well, let's have the Brides it, yeah. of Funkenstein take us out. Uh, <laughs> this is just another excuse to do a music episode, really, folks. If you want to hear yeah. more of them, <laughs> check out our old episodes. Subscribe to the podcast. Share it on your social feeds. Rate it. And uh, you can find all the old episodes on our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Uh, there you can also find links to ways to contact us. You can hit us up on Twitter. We're at maghuge. Facebook, Instagram, you can email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com and yeah, come back next week, let's see if we've got a country we might not, who knows it's a that mask yeah. stay away from me <laughs> <laughs>